I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. Leslie, good morning, Gina. Welcome, welcome welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Um, You know, I am hearing myself echo this morning, but that's okay. We're going to keep chugging with this podcast, and uh, hopefully the listeners don't hear me, and I just won't talk as much. But as I was preparing for the show notes, this was fabulous because I realized that yesterday uh, was 420. (laughs) And it would have been much better to have had you guys, uh, on that week, (laughs) but we're here now and we're going to talk medical marijuana. We're going to talk about your incredible business. We're going to talk about women in business. We're going to talk all sorts of cool things. Can you guys take a moment and introduce yourself to our lovely listeners? Of course. My name's Gina Dubay and I am a serial entrepreneur and a venture capitalist. And one of the partners in Greenhouse Wellness, Blissiva, and the book High Heels with my partner, Dr. Leslie Apgar. And hi, I'm Leslie Apgar. I'm a board-certified OBGYN who actually left the practice after 17 years and opened up a medical spa, what was that, in 2008? Yeah. And um, then when my best friend and I had this opportunity to do Greenhouse Wellness, a dispensary in Maryland, I jumped at the chance to go into business with my best friend. And it has been a wild ride. Everybody asks me if I miss the practice of medicine. And I say, well, I'm practicing it every day, but just not in the same way that I would have thought I was going to. But it's been um, it's been a lot of fun. It's a barrel of laughs every day. That is fantastic. So tell me a little bit about uh, how you guys kind of got involved in a medical dispensary and how long ago was it? Um, I don't know where you guys are located here in California. It's been legal for, I think, a year or two, maybe longer. Um, But I'm not sure where you guys are. Talk to me a little bit about that. So the state of Maryland has been relatively slow to roll out their program. And in 2015, they were accepting proposals, which we didn't really even know anything about. I was uh, approached by a patient saying, hey, listen, Leslie, could we use your credentials to to bid for our own licenses? And I said, sure. And that conversation led to a bigger one about funding. And I brought Gina in. And it was just a very short conversation. It was clear that we weren't compatible to work together. And we were left a little bruised, and so Gina got irritated, and she looked up the requirements herself, and she said, screw it, Les, we're just going to do it ourselves. And I thought she was insane because in in medicine, you don't just sort of start doing something without having gone to medical school and residency and then practicing for a while. And I certainly didn't know anything about how to sell medical cannabis and had never even been taught about the endocannabinoid system. I didn't know anything about it, really. So... There was Gina saying, hey, listen, where there's a will, there's a way. We're smarter than um, most people um, in the room at any given time, uh, which is, um, I don't necessarily know that it's true, but sometimes we feel that way. And we're really hard workers. And she is such a consummate business professional and knew how to write a proposal that was answering all of the 
business-minded questions and we threw in the medical expertise and we tossed it over the wall and we forgot about it for a whole year. And wow. then lo and behold, <laughs> we won. And then lo and behold, we won. And then it was a scary day. But a cannabis business is a business. And that's what we think a lot of dispensary owners don't understand. It's a really hard business because you're taxed at a huge rate with 280E taxation and you're highly regulated, so it's an expensive business to run. And we find many dispensary owners are not good business owners, but rather good cannabis users. <laughs> yeah, that's that's unfortunately true. Yeah, and it certainly we find that this industry is a um, recreational one masquerading as a medical one, and so there's really no thought or attention to actually, actually developing lines of products that are specific for certain patients or for specific ailments, and it is definitely an uphill journey every day to try and teach people what cannabis is and what it isn't, and it's certainly not all about the THC, even though the industry would say otherwise. So we've been told we're wrong from the get-go when I was saying, hey, we need to get high CBD products in here, and where's the CBD flower, and where's this, where's that? Everybody's just looking at me like I'm a crazy person, but Gina and I are stubborn, stubborn, stubborn. And now we have a line of products that we specifically developed for women by women that patients come in and they sob and they cry and they say, oh my God, where have you been all my life? In fact, on 420, just a couple of days ago, we had a lot of patients coming in and just thanking us and saying, thank you for listening. Thank you for developing a product line that works so well. It's the only thing that works for my migraines. It's the only thing that helps me sleep. It helps my anxiety. So it's it's great to have that kind of validation and feedback. But Gina and I really believe that if she and I think that something is attractive or useful or we would find a benefit, chances are most of the population, at least the women in the room, would agree with us. And Certainly, we sell a lot of placebo to men as well. We we joke that we want to call it brosiva, but it, <laughs> it is it is not so sex specific that men would get a, a you know a great value out of it as well. And I just tell them, I say, hey, listen, it's pink or purple if you don't have a problem with that. And they laugh and they say, listen, if it helps me sleep, I'll do it. So um, yeah, it's been a it's been a real wild ride. It's what neither of us ever thought in a million years that we would be doing with our time. We met, we were backdoor neighbors and um, had absolutely nothing in common. So of course we're best <laughs> friends. Partners. Yeah, now we're business partners. <laughs> that that always seems to work though, right? I mean, isn't that how it goes? It, it's it like is. the oddest connections in the weirdest places. Yeah. And we stay out of each other's lane. I mean, I trust Leslie totally to do all of the medical stuff. And she trusts me to do the business stuff. So it's really an easy division. Yeah, it's it's really nice. It, it was advice I got way back in 2007 before we opened up the medical spa, but it was surround yourself with people that know what they're doing because you can't possibly know everything about the business that you want to build, but you can certainly surround yourself with people who are really good at the things that you're not. And that's what Gina and I say about each other is that her strengths are my weaknesses and vice versa. And it. It is, you do have to trust your partner and we do implicitly, I mean, just, you know, we would lie down on the street for each other, but it is, um, it is really nice to have the confidence in your partner that they're going to 
um, succeed in their lane. And like Gina said, we just stay out of each other's way in that. And we always, I mean, I think there's been like one or two times ever, ever that we didn't agree like vehemently on a certain topic. And I think when it happened, we were like looking at each other, like, <laughs> do you have a fever? Are you like feeling well or whatever? But yeah, we, we don't get there the same way at all. Our thought processes are so different and we think about things in a, in such a different way, but we always come down on these big issues. The exactly. Place. This, yeah. It's been nice. Wow. So can we talk a little bit about the tabooness of marijuana? Um, uh, And, and, you know, some people also feel, you know, um, curious about plant medicine. Um, and also can we talk a little bit about potential addiction related issues? Yeah, of course. There's a lot that we could talk about as far as this topic goes, because the stigma that surrounds cannabis is so unfortunate because it turns out that cannabis is not a gateway drug, but cannabis is an exit drug and cannabis is so useful. And we have seen it on the front lines time and time and time again with our patients. Cannabis is helping patients get off of their opioids, get off of their benzodiazepines, off of their sleep agents. It is helping them to get back into the workforce, to reduce their other pain medications to live their best life, to stop being suicidal. Um, it we is, had a lady come through on 420 yep, and, yep. and knitted us a shawl, which was so lovely and said that she started coming to us a year ago and she was on a, a lot of opioids. She was on methadone, yeah. Mm-hmm. And is cool. managed to get totally off that. And, you know, we sat there with tears in our eyes because that's when you realize the validity of cannabis. But what we need in the United States is not the anecdotal findings that we have, but rather hard science, which will only be accomplished when cannabis comes off schedule one. Right. It's just, it's so silly that it is still a schedule one. And when you talk about plant medicine, I mean, that's what humans evolved to know intuitively and to experiment and to have a deep understanding about the nature that surrounds us. I mean, that's where our medicines come from. I mean, you talk about where does aspirin come from and where does, you know, what is belladonna? I mean, all these medicines, they come from nature and, and mother nature is very intelligent about creating compounds that humans need. And so our body is wired for cannabis. Unfortunately, for a lot of different reasons, we don't make our own natural cannabis in the ways that we should to keep our bodies balanced. And I could go into a whole nother podcast with you about why that is. But there is a wonderful source of it, and it is the cannabis plant. And so what we've done wrong as humans is, number one, we made it a Schedule One drug with absolute data refuting that. And the government overlooked it and decided to force that issue forward. And so because of that, because of its illegal status these last 80, 100 years, that we've bastardized the plant. We've made higher and higher and higher and higher THC profiles while we haven't been focusing on the true healing part of the plant, which is really more the CBD or the cannabidiol or the non-intoxicating cannabinoid in cannabis, which has unfortunately been really overlooked. So now we're starting to unwind that and start going back to the roots of what cannabis was supposed to be. And we're really trying to get some good data in that supports these findings of what we're seeing on the front lines. 
but it is, I, I think that if I had been a naturopath, I would have had such a huge leg up. I think that um, that kind of medicine is so important and a holistic approach to what medicine can be. I think Western medicine certainly has its place, but I'm certainly disillusioned with it, as I think a lot of the listeners also probably are, and a lot of practitioners also are. But yeah, we're finding that cannabis certainly has a place in healing and in wellness and in the treatment of chronic debilitating diseases. Um, in the treatment of chronic debilitating diseases, can you talk about what some of those might be? Well, for example, Parkinson's disease. We see a lot of our patient base, which tend to be 60 and above, come in with Parkinson's. And for about 80% of those, not everybody, but about 80%, one small dose of THC of under 5 milligrams takes the tremors and the shaking from really impacting people's ability to drink a cup of coffee, to read their Kindle, to read the newspaper, to being totally still. And these patients come in and sob because they're getting their life back, which is something the Parkinson's medication didn't always contribute to. And so MS, Parkinson's, any of the seizure diseases, cannabis, cannabis really helps in the nausea with cancer. It helps with pain management in cancer and reduction of opioid use, which has allowed our cancer patients to have a better quality of life as they get to end of life. Mm -hmm. And sadly, cancer often wins, usually wins, but it's allowed them time, one gentleman in particular, to write letters to his children, to leave video messages for significant events. It has bought them time and peace. We're normally in a situation like this, end of life, you're on opioids and you're really checked out. You're, you're essentially comatose and there's really little to no interaction with your loved ones. And when you instead use cannabis to help with pain management and anxiety and all of that, the patients are much more with it. And it is just a gift that, I mean, that, that gentleman's uh, widow came in and she just sobbed. We actually went to that funeral and she was sobbing. She said, you made such a difference in his life and you, you guys helped him so much. And it was gratitude. I mean, we weren't expecting that. We weren't, I mean, this is, it, it's the most impactful medicine I've ever practiced. I have a, uh, there's a GI guy out here that um, certifies some of his patients for cannabis when his traditional medications that he uses for inflammatory bowel disease have failed. And he said, Leslie, I have never prescribed a medication that had a hundred percent success rate before. I mean, he's just blown away. He, he's come in, I've given him tours of greenhouse because he wanted to see what we were doing behind the scenes and, and what was this, what was the, what was behind the curtain kind of, because it's, it is still associated with the stigma and there's still a lot that's not known about cannabis, but he was floored when I showed him all the different formulations and the different ratios and the different ways that we can medicate his patients. But he's delighted because he doesn't care. His patients are getting better. And you know, that's the bottom line is that we are helping people live better lives. It's pretty incredible. That's pretty incredible. Um, so what about the piece where people say, I'm just going to be blunt. <laughs> um, what about the people part where people say, you know, marijuana makes you lazy. I think that there's a number of things that make you lazy. The one thing that marijuana does do is reduce anxiety. And we find that that's been the biggest complaint during COVID. It will cause people to take a deep breath or an exhale and slow down. 
But for some folks, that's the desired effect. Yeah, and Michaela, there's also certain terpenes and cer- certain ratios of cannabinoids when put together that make you want to clean your closet, clean your pantry, <laughs> and get on the floor, <laughs> grab the corners of your kitchen floor. So there, there are um, different effects associated with cannabis use depending on the route of administration, the dosage, and who you are and what your basic endocannabinoid tone is in your body, because we're all different. Everyone's body reacts a little bit differently. So there's no universal statements, really, that cannabis is going to do this or that to you or for you. You have to start really low. You have to experiment. You have to have good guidance from somebody that knows what they're doing, whether that is your wellness consultant or your bud tender at your dispensary or your trained physician or practitioner But this is, like most medicine, something that you have to try a little bit of and experiment a little bit with until you find your exact dose and regimen that works for you. So, yes, we we certainly did used to hear that way back in the day when we were kids growing up, that if you smoke this, you'll be lazy. But we don't necessarily see that with our patients. We see patients who are much more functional, much more happy And honestly, who doesn't need a little bit of happy during COVID? So it's interesting. Two thoughts. One, I had a client um, in my psychotherapy practice that was an owner of a dispensary. And they told me indica means in the couch. (laughs) I'll never forget that. um, And then the other thing that I uh, that I heard is that, well, no, that I've experienced in my lifetime is that. You know, I've never been around, um, let me back up and say it this way. I've been around a lot of drunks who become total assholes, but I've never been around somebody super high who's an asshole. (laughs) You know, they become incredibly like intuitive or inspiring or uh, maybe not intuitive, but definitely like introspective and they're um, jovial, (laughs) like (laughs) slow things down, you know. Mm, I love that. And I, I really agree with you. Gina and I feel very strongly that the cannabis route is a safer alternative to alcohol. And that's kind of what we talk about with the placebo pen is that it makes you feel like you've just had maybe a glass of Chardonnay. It takes, takes the edge off. It takes that anxiety away, but it doesn't have the calories or the sugar of the alcohol does. And it's just a healthier alternative. So yet you are so correct, and I love what you said there, because yes, we have never seen a cannabis-impaired individual who was an asshole or, you know, like, out of control, whereas we absolutely have, unfortunately, yes, we've seen that before, yeah. So I love that analogy. Um, it, so the other thing, too, though, is, you know, some people say that it provokes anxiety, like gives them paranoia or something like that. How, how do you kind of maneuver through that? Oh, that? That's true, though. That is true. Everything's based on the THC level in your own personal endocannabinoid system. So five milligrams for me might not touch it, whereas five milligrams for you might give you really significant anxiety. Mm-hmm. So everything's based on your own endocannabinoid system and receptors. So you really have to start slow and low and then figure out the right dosage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's pretty clear in the data that a low amount of THC is great for anxiety and PTSD, but a high amount of THC causes paranoia and anxiety and 
everybody has a friend or themselves who've experienced taking too much of that cookie that one time when they were in Colorado and rocking under the chair because they thought that the feds were coming or calling EMS because they thought they were dying. They were pretty sure they were going to die. Happily, there's no ability to overdose with cannabis. There's not a dense enough receptors on, on the brainstem like there are for alcohol that you can depress respiration and heart rate and actually die from drugs like opioids and alcohol, but there you can't with cannabis. You may feel like you're dying, like I said, from taking too much THC, but it will actually exit your system. And there's coping strategies that we have for those that have overindulged. But really what it is at the bottom, at the end of the day is education. So the things that you're saying are real, but the piece that's missing is the education around all of that to explain why it is that some people get anxious and paranoid and others don't. And that's what we try and do all the time is just educate, educate, educate. We do podcasts, we do lectures, we wrote the book to help people understand what it was kind of like, but it's just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more education that is needed. Um. Can you give like listeners who maybe are curious but are super nervous um, an idea of what it's like for them to, uh, you know, what they can expect if they go to a dispensary? And I know in California, you know, there's like a you have to give them your ID and things like that. So can you can you share with listeners so that they maybe have an anticipation there? Well, it's interesting. Every state's a little bit different, but in the medical program. You have to get certified by an independent practitioner and get an ID from the state commission. And I believe that's fairly consistent in most states. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but here in Maryland, depending on the dispensary you choose, ours is designed to be comfortable for your mother. We have white leather furniture and crystal chandeliers, a lot of natural light. You go in, you show your ID. You get validated that you have an active certification in the state system. And then you go back and you sit down one-on-one with a wellness consultant. And we have 300 products. And they'll give you a selection based on your ability to medicate, your knowledge of cannabis, and your use in the past. And talk about a specific roadmap for you and a medication plan for you. Mm -hmm. So what I do when I go to California is I um, show my driver's license to get in the door. And with COVID, obviously, they're trying to be very cautious about, like, not having too many people in the shop at the same time, which I, I appreciate. And then when I go up to the counter, I'm greeted always with somebody who is super nice and friendly and knowledgeable. And I, and I let them know. I say, hey, listen, I, I do own a dispensary out in Maryland, but here today, I'm looking for what do you have with CBD? Like, what's your highest CBD? So for any novice listener that's that's listening right now, please go for CBD. Yes, there will also be THC in there, but the CBD will protect you against some of the annoying side effects of THC. It will also augment the experience and make it more pleasurable for you, whether you're medicating for anxiety or pain or inflammatory disease of some sort. So that's the way I approach it. And then I really listen to the assistant helping me, the bud tender or the wellness consultant, and I ask them questions because you, the listeners need to understand that if you drink or eat something, it's much different than if you smoke or vape. We always try and get our patients to vaporize the flour or vaporize the oil instead of to combust 
because, uh, you know, I'm a physician, so I'm not going to tell you that combusting is a safe way of medicating. And, and truly from a chemistry standpoint, you're incinerating the good stuff. You're just going up in smoke. Whereas if you vape it at low temperatures and medium temperatures and then high, higher temperatures, you're getting all of the good stuff of that plant out and you're not just throwing it, you know, in the trash, which is what unfortunately happens when you combust. But that said, we do have to meet people where they are. And, and certainly that's what we do in medicine is we deal with whoever is in front of us at that moment and accommodate to that individual's needs. So ask a lot of questions when you go to a dispensary, have an open mind, be prepared to learn something just because you think that you've been around the cannabis plant since you were a teenager. You may find that there's a lot of knowledge there that you could pick up if you just open up your mind and you may find actually a better way of medicating for yourself. It's really cool. Um, anything else? I, I heard that I heard a breath. Maybe someone else is going to talk. No, oh, no, we just we just really are delighted for the opportunity to, to talk with you. And we invite anybody who wants to learn more to look us up on our websites. We have www.greenhousewellness.com. We have uh, Blasiva, that's B-L-I-S-S as in Sam, I-V as in Victor, A. So Blasiva is a combination of the word bliss, which was named for anandamide, the very first endocannabinoid discovered. And then sativa or uplifting. So it's placebo.com or you can look at our high heels um, dot biz, I think yes, it is. And, biz. and that is where a lot of our educational information is located if anybody wants to learn more. So can you talk a little bit about your book? Can you tell me a little bit about what that's about? High Heels is really a love letter or a cheerleading event for other women who want to get in the industry or start something new. Because we were really told no a lot. We were told no in cannabis. We were told no because we were women. And the cannabis industry in particular is not very diverse and not very female friendly. Only 5% of the dispensaries in Maryland and truly across the nation are female owned and the minority numbers aren't much better. And so High Heels was really devised to show people that our journey wasn't perfect. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't movie worthy, but rather it was an, an, a whole series of one step forward, two steps back. For example, the day we won the license, my bank called and tried to cancel my account, my mortgage, my children's savings accounts, everything. Wow. Um, you lose friends. Friends that I've had for 30 years decided that they couldn't be friends because they didn't believe well, in cannabis. You're a drug dealer. I mean, come on. You're pretty hard to be friends with. I know. <laughs> but what we do find is we are like a party favor in the yeah. sense that I mean, every day is a new story. Every day is a new adventure. Yeah, I mean, to, truly, people do want to sit next to the drug dealers at the parties, like back when we had parties before COVID. And this book was designed to truly take a peek behind the curtain and let people see what our experience really was, because there is so much curiosity. It's this titillating subject even now. Although, happily, 
it has changed so much over the last four years that we've been doing this. When my, when I left my OBGYN practice to do this more full time with Gina, my partners thought I'd lost my mind. They're like, you're throwing your medical career away. What about your medical license? Like, what are you doing? And, you know, they thought I was insane. And now they want to come work for us. And now they want to send their loved ones to us or themselves or their spouses. So it is it is really interesting what happens over time. We sit, we talk about tincture of time in medicine all the time, but it is really interesting to see what happens when these patients who are in the program and are getting better and are getting off their medications are brave enough to tell their physicians what they've done and how it's worked. The physicians are noticing. They're paying attention. You can't argue when you see results like this in medicine. I mean, it's not something that we typically see. I don't see people who are at the end of their life start to get an appetite back and start to put weight back on and to, you know, get better, get more function. I don't see that in traditional medicine. And we certainly see that in the cannabis realm and have seen it repeatedly. So I do think that as a, as a lasting message to everyone, keep an open mind and educate yourself. There's, so much that we still have to learn, but I think that your mind will be blown when you start looking up your own endocannabinoid system and that we all have one. <laughs> and I think everybody's mind will be a little bit blown when they look into that a little bit. How about the creams for like physical body aches and stuff? Oh, those are fabulous for those that don't want to be psycho impaired in any way. My husband, as an example, has bone on bone in his knees and needs a knee replacement, but can still play tennis with cannabis cream on his knees prior to playing. Yeah. And people with like um, leg cramps or just arthritis or whatever they have. I mean, we have patients who use it before bed so they can sleep. Some people have such sensitivity just for whatever medical issues that they might have, that just the sheets touching their skin just causes excruciating pain. And so you put either a balm or a lotion on that affected body part, and it gives you a good number of hours of relief. I also like to explain that I think that layering works really well so that if somebody's taking an edible perhaps for generalized pain or sleep before bed to also use that topical, and then it'll have even an augmented effect that way. But yeah, we sell a lot of topicals, bath bombs, lotions, potions, oils. It's great for sex, but that's a whole nother podcast. But yeah, we sell a lot of that. <laughs> I, I mean, now I'm mildly, mildly curious. <laughs> I, this is new. I hadn't heard this one before. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. THC kind of reduces some of those inhibitions, not to mention the vagina is a wealth of nerve endings. Yeah, it's there's it's a it's a pretty interesting because there's actually some human data now coming out about mm -hmm. sex and cannabis and women especially. Like cream? Are You're talking about cream? Yeah, about all of it. It turns out that it doesn't matter the route of administration. The effect on female orgasm and on libido is um, is increased with just the right dose of cannabis. At too much THC, it doesn't really have an effect or it can hinder the effect. But if you have just the right amount, um, that might be that magic pill that we've been looking for that help women get in the mood and then have a much better time when they do get there. 
So yeah, there's a lot. Uh, stay tuned. We have um, we have something called Smolder coming out. That's by Placebo that um, everybody, like I said, we could do a whole podcast think, on Smolder. Yeah. <laughs> that's really interesting. Smolder. I like the word. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm sure there are like quite a few women who are listening in the car and their ears just perked up. <laughs> Like, oh, okay, this is different. Um, you know, I think that to the point, though, you said there's a lot of research coming out. And I think this is, I think this is what we're starting to realize. It's like, I mean, we could talk about ayahuasca. We could talk about lavender and aloe. It's like, you know, our, our caveman ancestors knew a freaking lot more than we do. <laughs> you know, our Eastern medicine um, counterparts knew know a lot more than we do. Like, it's crazy how much we've just kind of fallen into the big pharma trap. Oh, darling. Yes. And it's such a depressing talk. But yes, we could go into that as well. But I won't. Not today. Um, I that's also, why cannabis is still on schedule. Yeah, one. I mean, it's, it's, big pharma. it's a whole political big pharma thing. But um, truly, I know in the traditional medical literature, they're really looking hard at some of the mushrooms and some of these psychedelics to really fix people's mental illness. And that is a strong statement. So I think that if if we can be open-minded and stop being so puritanical about whatever drugs are or are not and really look into the medical benefits just with an open mind, we may find whole new treatment modalities and options come forth. Now, some of them will be from the traditional pharma, big pharma route, and some of them hopefully will be more plant-based. But I just think if we can look at the big picture, which is to create health and wellness in the human population, I think we'll all be better served. And I'm a Western-trained medicine doc. I mean, I, I didn't right. take these classes. But I'll tell you that Western medicine can only do so much. And it's really more focused on putting band-aids on problems instead of to prevent the wound in the first place. And cannabis medicine right. is really to create the wound in the first place and create wellness. And I think a lot of plant medicine is, is that way. So everything in its place, everything in moderation, a holistic, well-rounded approach to healing and wellness is what I preach. I talk a lot about diet and exercise and meditation and love and all those things. Cannabis is one tool in our toolbox and I just, you know, I think I am eagerly anticipating what the future is going to, br to bring. I can't wait to read some of these new studies. I can't wait to see what happens next. And I just, I can't wait for more and more of the human population to get open-minded and to be able to experience a better life for themselves. But I'll tell you what, I mean, I, I understand, you know, the, the need on occasion for some antibiotics or something like that. And I also understand the repercussions of using that on, um, you know, stress and, uh, anxiety. Like, uh, they've, they've proven a uh, Dr. Zach Bush has talked a lot about how after a single course of antibiotics, um, the prevalence of anxiety and depression is like amplified by some astronomical number that I don't even want to state because I'm sure it wouldn't be right. Um, within six months following. Um, so, but, I get it. You know, I get sometimes an antibiotic treatment is just going to be probably one of the best ways to get something in check. But I can tell you that, like, um, I use a product, Wonder Bomb by uh, Puria, and it's got, like, all this incredible stuff in it. Um, 
And if my son gets like, you know, a little athlete's foot or something like that, that that's my go-to, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to that and it's incredible how quickly it just zaps whatever it is. I mean, I remember my grandma, you know, when we got sick, she put, um, camphor on us, you know, she put the, uh, mentholatum on us, on our chest, um, almost immediately. If I got a burn, she popped open a vitamin E and rubbed it on it. You know, like I feel like grandma's knew better, you know? <laughs> Well, I love that you say that, Michaela, because there's so much ancient wisdom that is unfortunately just being lost all the time. And I think that if you tap into that, just knowing or that intuition and that the family, you know, wisdom that's that's translated through the eons, it's so important. It's so important. I mean, I don't know why Western medicine is placed in this weird box that's like the all knowing, all seeing eye because it's just not. And they're so unwilling to, I should say we, because I belong to this club too. We are so unwilling to make claims without randomized controlled trials demonstrating a significantly, um, you know, significant difference between two variables. And it, it's, that's not the only way to treat people medically. It's one way, but there needs to be an, um, we need to embrace always. We need to, just as not everybody learns the same way, we shouldn't medicate the same way, depending on who's sitting in front of us. So I don't know. Just <laughs> Well, we, we believe in plant-based medicine. We believe in the old ways. We, you know, we're just a little bit different. We don't buy into big pharma. We did vaccinate. Yeah, we got our COVID vaccines. Yes, we did. How do you feel? Fabulous. Great. There is a level okay. of confidence because we deal with so many patients. Our entire staff is vaccinated. We never wanted to be in any way putting anyone at risk. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't have been appropriate because our patients are immunocompromised and vulnerable. And as healthcare practitioners, you know, that's part of what you do is when you when you're going to be in the, to that degree of intimacy with with patients and and helping them heal and being in close contact with them you really have to do all the things to protect them as well as you but yeah the the covid vaccines boy i'll tell you what i did a deep dive into those from the from the get-go poor gina had to listen to me <laughs> dre about covid from the beginning and try to figure it out because um, my science brain was not having it. I was I was quite upset and trying to solve the riddle and the problem and, and listening to docs from all over the world and reading everything I could get my hands on. But, yeah, it's interesting how much our anxiety was relieved when we got even our first um, shot of the two series. We It was amazing how much this pandemic has wrecked havoc on everyone's feelings of general ease or dis-ease. So, yeah, we feel much better now that we're protected. And hopefully we can get a hold of this thing because the more this virus gets to replicate in unvaccinated humans, the worse the variants are going to be and the longer we're all going to suffer. So hopefully you know, I've heard a lot about the women who are unvaccinated um, being around vaccinated women and how their periods are changing. They're becoming um, heavier and more clotting and things like that. What do you think about all that? Oh, my gosh, honey, I've not seen any of that. I'd love to see that in my GYN literature and look it up and understand how that's working. I, I would... just did see some Israeli dating this 
data this morning about CBD being helpful for COVID patients mm-hmm. in Israel. Yeah, there's actually some scientists in Canada who have been studying some of the cannabinoids specifically, and they actually found that it treated COVID and it actually helped um, with the symptoms and helped prevent infection. So I do think there's going to be some really cool data coming out on what cannabis might be able to do for us to help fight infection and prevent infection. Um, interesting. It'll be interesting to see how this universe unfolds on this earth plane, you know, with just kind of everything, um, that's been presented to us and, and what we are, you know, kind of living through. And I should even say like migrating through, you know, together kind of a thing. Yeah, you know, what we hope is that women are really going to continue to come together and to flex our collective muscles and really step into our power. So and a lot to back each other to back up. each other up. Yes, yeah. exactly. The collective strength of the womanhood, the sisterhood, that incredible um, knowledge and power that we all possess that for some reason we've forgotten. I, I love this time. I mean, it's been horrible. I mean, there's been so much suffering and so much death and, and I feel so bad for anyone who's lost anybody during COVID. But at the same time, there are glimmers of the silver lining and some of it, I think, has been that women are starting to reclaim their their power. And I love that. And we can't wait to see more of that. And that's another reason why we wrote that book, because we really want everybody to step into their power and to be the best version of themselves that they can be and to infect others with that positivity and that um, that dream that women share. I love that. I think that we should end on this. This has been absolutely perfect. I'm so grateful um, for for you guys to come on and kind of share and talk about this subject that's traditionally been kind of taboo, although I think it's loosening up. Um, and as always, we share in the show notes, too, how people can get a hold of you. But if you want to shout out your website one more time, that would be great. You can always come to see us at greenhousewellness.com or blissiva.com, which is our female products, or highheels.biz, which is our book. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the BU Find Happy podcast, and I look forward to connecting with you guys soon. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.